Good morning. I'll greet you all this morning in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as we come for worship today. Um, I'm in again. Uh, Paula Jane is off celebrating her birthday with her children on a vacation, much deserved, so we wish her well. Uh, just a couple of other announcements. Let's see. The Bible study begins Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Uh, in the church hall, but if it's too cold, you come in here. So, because uh, there's no heat out there, but there's heat in here. So 10 a.m., Tuesday morning. Bev has been handing out some sheets, kind of of, last week she handed out like two weeks of work, and now she's handing out the whole thing. Um, so if you don't, if you're not going to make it on Tuesday and want the whole list of the scriptures, talk to Bev before you leave today, and she'll make sure you have that if you're interested. The Bible study is on healing, as coinciding with the services that we're going to have for the next little while, and uh, we're quite excited to be offering it. We, you may remember that in, in past months or so, a while back, we were having weekly prayer meetings here in the church to pray for Sydney Mines. Those will resume. They will resume on October 30th at 7 p.m. here in the church. Our apple crisp sale is going fairly well from what I hear. It's October 27th. It is takeout only. It's $15 for an 8x8 pan of delicious apple crisp. And it is pre-order only. So you must have a ticket in order to get an apple crisp. So if you need a ticket or need some tickets to sell, uh, talk to Grace. She only has a few left. So if you want apple crisp for Christmas presents or whatever, you better get on it quick. And if you have one of those really fancy, fancy apple peeler corers, bring those because they make it so much faster. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Grace. Yeah. Okay. Great. About twelve tickets left. Yep. So. Um, you've been invited to dinner next week after church by someone who's coming home who's been a member of this congregation. It's a very generous offer. He is willing to pay for your lunch. So, Joy, uh, Grace, did a list get put up? Did a sign-up sheet? Okay, so we'll put up a sign-up sheet at the back because we need to be able to tell, I believe it's at the North Star, right? Hotel North? Yeah. yeah. Um, it'll be there. Uh, so we want to give them an idea for numbers. And so... Um, so yeah, we thank the, the we, we thank we thank Gordon Fraser for his incredible generosity as he comes home after a long time, and he's going to take us out to lunch. So if you would like to go to lunch, if you're comfortable going to lunch at Hotel North, there's a sign-up sheet at the back. Yeah, the sheet is going out right now. Yeah, so we need to have ballpark numbers. And the last announcement that I'm aware of, and you guys can remind me if I forgot anything, is that at the end of the service day, we are continuing our service on prayer. I don't need a joke uh, jacket, thank you. Um, we are continuing our services on healing and prayer in the church. And so at the end of the service, if you are in need of prayer, I invite you to come forward to the front of the church at the end of the service, and Bev or myself will pray for you. We'll be standing at the two ends of the aisles, and we will pray for you today. Any other announcements to share? Did I remember everything, Bev, that we talked about? I think so. Yeah. 
Yes, that's very nice. Um, during the service, we have a, a bigger table this week uh, for the children to color and do some crafts with, so they're welcome to go there at any time. All right, let's just take a moment to quiet our hearts as we prepare to worship our God this week. I invite you to stand. This is a song we've sung a few times together now through the summer. It is Rain by Kathy Willis and Robin Mark. Lord of my life, you reign. Lord of my life, God, come and cleanse me through. Soften my heart, help me worship you. Lord of my life, you reign, you reign. Lover of hearts, draw near. Lover of hearts, Unveil my eyes, let me see your face. Intimate worship in your embrace. Lover of hearts, draw near, draw near. Savior, Redeemer, my shepherd, my healer, my hope and provider, Transform all my heart's desire, cleansing my soul by your holy fire. Spirit of God, change me. Spirit of God, change me. Spirit of God, change me. Our response of reading today is Psalm 143. Take, oh, take me as I am. Summon out what I shall be. Set your seal upon my heart and live in me. Hear my prayer, O God. In your faithfulness, give heed to my pleading and answer me in your righteousness. 
The enemy has pursued me, crushing my life to the ground, making me sit in darkness like those long dead. Take me as I am Summon out what I shall be Set your seal upon my heart And live in me Yet I remember times past I think about all you have done I meditate on the works of your hands Answer me quickly, O God, for my spirit is failing. Do not hide your face from me, or shall I be like those who go down to the dead? Show me the way I should go, for on you I have set my hope. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on an even path. Take, oh, take me as I am. Summon out what I shall be. Set your seal upon my heart and live. Let's continue with our, op- uh, yeah, with our opening prayer. As you promised to be with us, Lord Jesus, help us, Lord, to worship you, to listen to your word, and to pray in faith that we might grow in our love for you and for one another. Amen. Let's continue singing. Spirit, open my heart. Spirit, open my heart to the joy and pain of living. As you love, may I love in receiving and in giving. Spirit, open God, replace my stony heart with a heart that's kind and tender. All my coldness and fear, in your grace I now surrender. Spirit, open my heart to the joy and pain of living. As you love, may I love in receiving and your love upon my heart as my love my goal my story in each thought word and deed may my living bring you glory spirit open my heart to the joy and pain of living as you love may i love in receiving and in giving 
joy of sister, brother, in the welcome of Christ. May we welcome one another. Spirit, open my heart to the joy and pain of living as you love sing one more. Then I'll let you sit. How about that? You can sit if you want, but I prefer this all razor voices and bodies to Jesus. As we continue to explore the, the ministry and the gift of healing in God's church, within God's people, we come knowing that there's stuff within us 
that weighs us down, stuff within us that keeps us from being healed, stuff that keeps us from receiving all that God has for us. And so we turn to God this morning, lifting up to him the pain in our hearts, the sin that we carry, so that, may he, so that he may release, it from, release us from it. Let us pray to God now. Let us lift up to him our confession. Our friends, know that when we lift our hearts to Jesus, when we lift our hearts to God, our love, our cares, our concerns, even our faults, he loves us and he forgives us. Let us pray. Father, I often find myself struggling to follow in your way. It is the sin of my life which keeps me from your Lord, I invite you today to heal me of my sin and lead me in your way. Amen. Sing a response. Know that God is good, know that God is good, know that God is good, God is good, God is good. Mungu ni moima, Mungu ni moima, Mungu ni moima, ni moima, ni moima. Know that God is good, know that God is good. Know that God is good, God is good, God is good. You can remain seated for this one. We're going to sing one more song that will be new to all of you, I, probably, I suspect. There's another Robin Mark piece, and it's called You Said. This world is broken, a ship with no anchor, sailing through space, always uncharted waters, yet we seem to know where we want to go, but we don't know why we're here. Get lost on their own little journey. Some only stay for a few passing moments, and the only thing that we know for sure is someday our journey ends. But you said you are and the life and whoever believes in you shall never die and you said that by your word and power even though we die we'll live forevermore and I believe yes I believe yes I believe Ah! Uh-huh. 
Let us join our hearts in prayer. Let us pray. God, we thank you that we can come together and, and laugh and be joyful in your presence. Lord, we just thank you that you are with us. And so, Lord, as we turn our hearts to you to look at the questions that we have around healing, God, we ask you to bless our understanding. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, you who are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. So, as I begin talking about healing again, I just want to acknowledge that much of the material that I've been using and Bev is using through the Bible study comes from a book by Mark Pearson that is called Christian Healing, a Practical and Comprehensive Guide. And so from that, last week we looked at kind of an, 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 uh, a high-level introduction to healing in the Bible. Now this week we're going to look at some of the questions that we have around healing. Things like, why doesn't the church heal people anymore? Or why do, not, why do people no longer get healed? And these are two excellent questions. And they're questions that deserve a week to be explored. So that's what we're doing today. Because I suspect that we've all had those kinds of questions at some point in our lives. If Jesus is willing to walk around healing all these people that he comes in contact with, as we, then why aren't everyone, why is not everyone healed? And even as we saw in our scripture reading this morning, the disciples were unable to heal someone or everyone. I think to start, we need to look a bit at why healing is not that common in the church today. And we need to acknowledge that this is not a new thing. From the time of Jesus until the fourth century, healing was commonplace in the early church. For over 300 years, healings happened all the time. Historical documents and scripture back this all up. But in the fourth century, something changed. We started to see a decline. So what is it that happened? In 313 AD, Emperor Constantine made an edict that allowed for the tolerance of Christians. So in a way, politics came into play. The state, the edict stated that Christians would be tolerated, which means to say that the, the, that the empire would no longer prosecute churches or persecute churches. Later in the century, there would be a brief return to some prosecution, persecution, but Constantine started the path that would lead to Christianity becoming the official religion of the empire. Now you might think to yourself, hey, that's a good thing, right? There's no longer threat of being thrown in jail. They're free to do whatever they want. Good thing. And I'm sure that the early church felt exactly the same way. They could worship without fear. They wouldn't have to stay in hiding any longer. They could operate out in the public sphere doing great works and all this stuff without being the threat of being thrown in jail or worse. But by opening the church up like this, the church lost some of its zeal, some of its passion. People did flock to the church, for sure. But they didn't carry the same passion as the first church, the early church. They came to be part of this popular movement that, that the government mandated and you know, supported. They did it for societal advancement. They did it for economic advancement, career advancement. They did it to come be part of something and to feel good. 
They did not come to have their lives transformed. When Jesus walked on water, the disciples were shocked. No one has ever done this before. Now, when Jesus is walking around the streets telling nice stories and loving people, that's easy to take. That's fine. We like a good story. No one is threatened by nice stories. But when someone walks on water, this is new. This knowledge changes things. When Jesus walks on waters, water, the disciples have three options in how to respond. The first is deny it. Do not believe what their eyes have seen. It's got to be some kind of hallucination. The second option is to be so offended by this change that you seek to kill the one who has done it. The one who is challenging our worldview. And the third option is to simply respond in faith. Believe in what we have seen. The establishment of Christianity as the as the is the official religion of the empire, flooded the church with people who just wanted nice stories. They wanted the first option. They didn't want to have the challenges, so they just assumed it was a hallucination. Just another nice story. They want to hold on to the status quo so that nothing changes. So while it's great to see so many wonderful new people in the church, it watered down the effectiveness of the church. And as a result, healings started their decline, among other things. There's also another problem that has existed in the church for a very long time, and that is false teaching. There's a number of ways we can look at that. One of the ways is that people see sickness as punishment for our sins, and therefore we do not deserve to be healed. And I hear this from people. People tell me, I can't go to church, I don't deserve it. I've done too many bad things. And that's not true. We only need to look at Jesus and the people around him, the people he healed, the people he loved and welcomed. Many of them could have that exact same argument, they don't deserve it. They've done too many bad things. Yet Jesus still loved them, he still healed them. I mean, Jesus even forgave the people who nailed him to the cross for his death. And there are other false teachers out there as well. There are people who say, God will just bless you with many riches if you just believe. That's not in the Bible. Yes, Jesus says we have abundant life, but he didn't say we would have a rich life. In fact, he even said that his followers would struggle and suffer at times. So this kind of teaching, we call it the prosperity gospel, where preachers tell us what we want to hear. And in a few cases, they use their message to fill their bank accounts, in a few instances. I mean, we've even seen this in healing ministries. I mean, just look back at the controversies in the 1980s around some of the healing ministries that were going on at that time. Jesus said in our reading today that even if you have the tiniest amount of faith, like a mustard seed, you can do great things. Now these are just a couple of examples of why the church church started to see healing become less common. And since it's been so many centuries since this stuff happened, we just kind of accept it as commonplace today. 
But that's not true. It does not negate the fact that Jesus gave us the ability to heal. And he didn't give us the, 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 the potential to heal people with, with an expiry date. He didn't say you could do this until 313 A.D. He said you will do this until I return, which he has not done yet. Now on top of the problems from the early church, there are a number of objections that are made to why healing should be part of it. And I'm just going to touch on a few of those today as well. The first objection that people have to healing in the church is that with all the problems in the world, with all that's going on, isn't it selfish to be healed? And yes, it could be seen that way. But then again, isn't sickness part of the problems of the world? I mean, if, if healing people is selfish, if getting healed is selfish, then should we still be sending money and vaccines to Africa? Because aren't we just help in feeding their selfishness? Or if you are sick, should you go to a doctor to get better? Because isn't that being selfish? Like, that's, that's not something we would consider. There's another argument that people make, that they see people taking advantage of people in the name of healing. And yes, that does happen. But there are very, very few of them. They are definitely in the minority. It's like saying, well, we heard on the news of a doctor who wasn't licensed, was doing stuff to people. So we should get rid of all the doctors. We would never do that. So just because there's a couple of people making a few dollars off of healing does not negate the fact that there are many, many, many people who are volunteers, who are clergy, who are just simply healing people in love. And I can promise you they're not making much money at all. Now some people object to healing because they see all kinds of that mystic stuff going on where healers and readings and all of that so why should the church get mixed up with all that weird, fringy kind of stuff? Yes, that's also a concern. That is a, a trap we can fall into. That's why it's important to keep our ministry focused on healing as what has been shown in the Bible. The Bible has set parameters, it's set boundaries in which healing can happen. It's not about spirit readings or rocks or phases of the moon or anything like that. It's about invoking the name and the spirit of Jesus Christ in a person's life. And Jesus is our focus and our guide as we do his work. So what about the question, why do we need healing if we have all these doctors now? That's another good question. But then we can ask, can doctors cure everything? We're just not there yet. Science hasn't gotten us there yet. And a lot of what doctors do is kind of about management of symptoms, like pain. They can't always get to the root cause of the problem, which can often be spiritual or emotional instead of just physical. Christian healing can help us get to the root cause of some, if not many, of the physical problems we are experiencing because they are emotional or spiritual in nature. Science has shown that our bodies react to the environment that is around us or even our own emotions. And it can cause a negative impact in our bodies that causes pain and discomfort. 
Now, don't get me wrong. Science and doctors are critically important to the world. We should not deny ourselves an opportunity for appropriate medical care just because we believe God's going to heal us. God may very well be using doctors and science to give us the healing we need. Now, there are many other objections to healing in the church. But ultimately, I believe healing is part of God's plan. The church needs to get back to embracing this vital and vibrant ministry. Will things need to change in that case? Most likely it will. Maybe God is just waiting to disrupt our comfortable lives, our comfortable churches, so that more people will come to know him. Because isn't that ultimately what the church is about? Bringing people into relationship with God? Healing is a powerful and effective way for people to meet him. Now, Mark Pearson's book, he quotes a man who spoke to him, and he says this. The man said, If God heals, then God is real. And if God is real, he probably wants me to change. Therefore, oh, I do not want to change. Therefore, I wish to keep him at arm's length. I come to church because I enjoy the music. I meet interesting people, and it's good for the kids. But I do not want God to be at the center of my life. Anything that may indicate his power and reality or anything that reminds me of any claim he might have on my life is too threatening. Therefore, healing or any other kind of spiritual fervor is to be blocked. Now, you have to appreciate the man for his honesty. He has clearly thought this through. But this view is not only held by one man. A lot of people sit where he sits, but they just can't quite articulate it as well as he, could, as, well as he did. This is the under, underlying belief. It is the belief of people I talk to, even though they can't express it in such a way. People I talk to, about, they tell me why they don't go to church or stopped going to church. They're just not willing to change. They're quite comfortable where they are in their life right now. Again, they don't say this outright. They can't be as articulate as the man in the book, but this is essentially the root of why. It all boils down to a person's willingness to let God be the center of their life. This is the problem that infected the early church when it became the official state religion. People flocked to the church, not to be changed or to be challenged, but to join into something that is popular, to be comfortable. Yet Jesus challenged a lot of people in his day, and he set his church up to function in the same way. God owns this church. He owns all churches, right? Therefore, we must do, what we do must be guided by him. He sets the agenda, not us. And we learn to follow his agenda by knowing him, and doing his will as he reveals it to us. Now after all that, let's get to the question you all have. Why are some people not healed? Now if we pray for someone to be healed, we often think, and and nothing happens, we often think, well, we tried, I guess it's just not going to happen. But then do we turn and go to a doctor and say, there's something wrong with me, and they order a bunch of tests, and the test results come back, and the doctor says, We can't see anything in the test, so guess you're not sick. No, he doesn't do that. The doctor orders more tests. 
trying to figure out what it is that is wrong with you. He keeps trying. That is our problem. When we consider offering healing ministry to people, we keep trying. We try different things. Yet even then, people may not get healed. Why is that? There's a number of reasons why, and I'm just going to again touch on a couple. One reason is we don't understand the root cause of the problem. What is the source? Which means we need to ask God what the problem is, where it starts, which may not come immediately. So we need to keep asking to find the root cause so that we can deal with it. If we go to a doctor and our, and our arm has fallen off, and we keep going back, because, and the doctor keeps sewing it on, but we keep going back like every week, every month, because our arm has fallen off. At some point, the doctor's going to say, why is your arm falling off? And maybe you should find a better hobby than juggling chainsaws. Right? You need to address the source of the problem. We can keep praying for healing, but unless we're able to address the source of the sickness, healing may not happen. Another reason people may not be healed is because we expect it to happen in a certain way. Yet, in the Bible, we see Jesus and God healing people in many different ways. Remember, in 2 Kings chapter 5, Naaman went to Elisha to be healed. And Elisha told him, go take a bath in the Jordan River and you'll be healed. And so Naaman is like, what? This is crazy. But he goes, he gets in the river, and he's healed. Now, Naaman could have said, no, I'm not going to that stinky river. I want you to pray, and I'm going to be healed. Well, if that's the case, he might have never been healed. Because he had it in his mind that, prayer, that his healing would happen in a specific manner. We have a habit of falling into patterns. We do the same thing. Just because we saw God heal someone in one particular way doesn't mean they're all going to happen in that way. There's many ways we can be healed. Different circumstances, different people. Different circumstances with the same people. God may choose a different way. Maybe they need to confess their sins. Maybe they need to be anointed with oil. Maybe they need to change their diet. Maybe they need to call their doctor. There are many ways in which we can receive healing. There are also times when we work against what God is trying to do. What I mean by that is God may heal us or even want to heal us, but we keep indulging in behaviors and actions that cause us to become sick. You've heard me say this before, I, sh- I should lose a few pounds. And so when I, when, when I realize that, I, I make a few changes. And then I get back to the scale a month later, and I look down, the number's the same. And I go, well, what went wrong this month? And I went back and I realized, okay, my diet lasted maybe 48 hours, because then I had a bad day, and then I went off and ate my stress, and then I fall back in the old patterns and keep doing the way, the rest of the month, the way I always live my month. Right? God wants to heal us. But there are times when we work actively against what he is trying to do. And it's usually because of our own actions, our own choices. One time I was at some meetings in Ontario and we were offering prayer at the meetings. And a guy came into our meeting room, our prayer room, and said, I've got terrible pain in my back. I can't do my job. Would you pray for me? 
So we laid our hands on him, we prayed for him, we put oil on his forehead, and at the end of our prayer, he said, the pain is gone. Wonderful. And he went off happily out into the hall. I saw him the next day, I said, how's the back feeling? He says, it hurts. What he did after he left the prayer room, he was so excited, he went to the gym. And he worked out like he hadn't been able to work out for months. And he hurt his back. God healed him. Then he went right, turned around, left the room, and went right back to do something that would hurt him. Now this kind of relates to a similar issue. We hold on to our sin. God wants to heal us. But because we hold on to sinful actions or attitudes, God cannot help us. Sin blocks us from fully receiving God's healing. We need to learn to deal with the sin before God can heal. When Jesus healed people, there were even times when he dealt with the sin and that brought healing. In Mark chapter 2, Jesus was teaching in a house full of people, so crowded, no one else could get in. And so some friends of a paralytic lifted him up on the roof, tore open the roof, and lowered him into Jesus. And there the the paralyzed man laid on the floor in front of Jesus, and Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. The man got up and walked out. It was his sin that kept him paralyzed. Now this doesn't mean if someone comes up and says, I need healing, that you look at them and say, confess your sin, and you'll be well. It's your fault. No, that's not what we do. We need to walk with people. We need to invite God into the relationship, into the journey to help find the root cause of their suffering. And if it is sin, then we need to lovingly help them deal with it and let God heal their lives. And along with holding on to our sin, we often will hold on to our sickness. People will hold on to being sick. They've allowed it to become who they are. It is their identity. They allow it to control their lives, their emotions. It controls how they interact with people. It controls how they see themselves. They'll think, I'm sick. I'm unworthy. I, I, I don't need love. I can't have love. I can't have hope. I can't have healing. Now, we cannot say that God will not heal these people. He would heal them just as he would heal anyone else. But they need to let go. Our job is to walk with these people to help them see the trap, they have put, the trap they are in. And we do this lovingly and gently and let them walk into the healing that God has for them. For some people, there's also another problem. When they don't see immediate healing, they give up. Now what we need to realize is a lot of the times healing takes time. It's not always instantaneous. It is gradual. There's other things that need to be taken care of before healing can be realized. Also, God may not want it to happen instantaneously. God may have a plan for that person that takes time. The the trick is trusting God and walking with him in that trust to deal with everything we need to deal with in order to be healed. Our ability to heal and be healed is intricately woven into our faith. We must love and trust our God and able to be, uh, 
and to offer and to receive healing in his name. If we waver, if we don't fully trust, then our ability to heal is compromised. Notice in our reading from Matthew 17 this morning, the disciples could not heal a boy possessed with a demon. And they asked Jesus, why could we not do it? And he said, because you don't have enough faith. They didn't trust, they had doubt. When faced with such a huge challenge as a demon possessing a boy, the disciples fell short in their belief. They doubted that they had the power and the authority to do it. And Jesus showed them they did. All they had to do was believe in the power of God, use their faith, and it could happen. When, when a church is looking to offer healing, it is a ministry that must be one of perseverance. It must be willing to dig deep into their faith, fully trusting God will bring healing to the people and that God will walk with us and those we serve to bring about healing in his time, in his manner that he has chosen. That will mean persevering through tough times. Times when it feels like nothing is happening. And still be willing to believe it will happen. It means pushing aside seeds of doubt. It means no prayers end with the words, if it is your will. It means believing strongly in God's power to heal. Now there's great mystery as to why some people are healed and some aren't. And we won't fully understand it. So let's celebrate the stories that we have of healing. And let us continue in perseverance for those who are still waiting for healing to happen. God is God. We are not. Some things we may never fully realize or understand, such as why some people are healed and some are not. But we also cannot see the full story of a person's life. Healing may be happening in other ways we cannot see. Either way, God is great. God is love. God is here. And God wants to bring healing to his people. Both physically, but also spiritually and emotionally. In all areas of our lives. So let us walk with God as he leads us and as he heals us. Amen. Let us join our hearts in a time of prayer. God, we thank you for the times when we may be challenged in what we understand about you and your way. God, we're challenged all the time with sickness in the world that is around us. God, we see people suffer needlessly. We see loved ones pass away. Yet we pray for them. We continue. We always pray for them. But Lord, we know that you are loving, that you are with us, that you have a plan. And so we just trust you. We trust you, God, that we can grow in our understanding of healing. We trust you that we can grow in our understanding of what ministry looks like in this world at this time. That in a world full of division and pain and suffering and war and famine and hunger and, and just all that we see on the news, oh God, 
We know that you have a plan for healing all of it. And so we pray. We pray, we're learning to pray to trust that it will happen. Help us, O oh God, to, to push away those thoughts of doubt and walk with us. Lord, we pray for so much in this world. We continue to pray for Ukraine. We continue to pray for Russia. We pray for other places in this world that we have forgotten there is war going on. We pray for the people of Iran. We pray for our own nation and see the division that is welling up within it. A division we, all, we, we know all too well from watching the news coming out of the states. And Lord, we pray as the coming elections happen there that you will bring unity and peace to their hearts. Lord, we pray, continue to pray about COVID going on in our communities. Uh, an issue, an illness, a sickness, a disease, a virus that the government has stopped talking about yet is still impacting thousands of people each and every week in our province alone. So Lord, we pray for healing to come. We pray for those who have lost family over the last few weeks. Lord, we pray for those who are hurt today and in need of comfort and love. Lord, we lift all these prayers to you. You know what is in our hearts. You know the people we care about, we worry about. You know the people we pray about. So help us to walk with you, O God, so that we can walk with them. Lord, we lift all these prayers to you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, the one who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I'm always kind of careful when I, when I, when I pray and I close my eyes when I'm standing up front because there's one time I was leading a church service at a church in Halifax and I was praying, I was you know, praying and when I opened my eyes, I was facing this way. <laughs> so I'm always kind of checking which way I'm going. Let's get uh, let's sing let's stand together and sing blessed be your name.
My friends, the, the ministry of healing is, is a tough one. It is a tough one to understand. It is a tough one to live out because it is walking with people in pain and suffering and not always knowing what the outcome is going to be. But we learn to trust in our God who walks with us every single day. The healing may be offered in ways we do not understand, but God is present always when we are there in his spirit. Let us go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God in each and every one of us as we serve and minister to those who are around us every single day. Amen. Let's bring out like a rock again. Remember the actions? Some of you weren't here too much over the summer, so it is simple. Can we bring, okay. Like a rock. Like a rock. I'm usually up here playing. <laughs> like a rock. Like a rock. God is under our feet. Like the starry night sky, God is over our head. Like the sun on the horizon, God is ever before. Like the river runs to ocean, our home is in God evermore. Like a rock, like a rock, God is under our feet. Like the starry night sky, God is over our head. Like the sun on the horizon, God is ever before. When the river runs to ocean, our home is in God evermore. Like a rock, like a rock, God is under our feet. Like the starry night sky, God is over our head. Like the sun on the horizon, God is ever before. Like the river runs to ocean, our home is in God evermore. Go in peace.